We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by our friends BetOnline.ag and, of course, Blue Wire on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Dan Sanio on Twitter at FFDynastyDan, and with me is my bestest of pals, the lovely Grizzly Adams. Oh, sorry, not Grizzly Adams. It is, in fact, Nathan Powell. If you haven't seen him lately, he is looking great he's got the corona beard going on i got the corona mustache going on it is disgusting i look like mario nathan how are you and your beard tonight you know the, the beard is lovely uh we are uh two weeks away from the annual shot cast uh via our friends over the bull rush and i'm sure that uh i'm sure that my beard is going to be to uh my nipples by then <laughs> going for the zz top look I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. We, we hopefully, uh, as, as great as it would be to get out of this stuff, I kind of hope it keeps going just so that beard doesn't stop. It's, it's looking fresh. So over the last few weeks, we have kind of gone through our, hey, this is our one show we do a year on this topic. We get through, you know, then we get to the rookie stuff, and we're approaching that lovely NFL draft. And, of course, once we get there, our coverage will be completely consumed with the NFL draft and incoming rookies, but everyone's favorite week is upon us. Uh, probably my least favorite of all of the things. I think there's about a hundred other topics I'd rather talk about, but I'm going to be enthusiastic. I'm going to try to do what I can to be into the topic. Yes, you probably all guessed it. It is tight end week. We are going to be talking about everything tight end. Who is number one? What are these rookies going to do in this landscape? Does Hayden Hurst matter? All of the important topics. We, of course, will start the top of the show here with some news and notes. So I think the big one off the bat is Christian McCaffrey signed a monster deal for a running back, the highest paid running back of all time. Obviously, it's hard to put that um, <laughs> that position uh, connected to his name because he is very much a wide receiver as well. And when you can do both things, you should 
probably get paid for doing two positions, taking everybody else's work and making it a little bit easier. So, Nathan, does this change anything for Christian McCaffrey's value? Uh, I know when we signed the Todd Gurley contract a couple of years ago, it was, uh, well, this could mean a lot of things. It should be great for his value. You know, now they're, they're locked in. And this one's a little different because Christian McCaffrey obviously doesn't have the dead leg syndrome yet, hopefully. But, I mean, does this, does this kind of lock him into that 101 and all non-superflex spots for the foreseeable future? I've never been that guy. Uh, granted, I, I haven't really done a dynasty startup draft in probably four years or so. But I, I, I still think I would prefer to have Michael Thomas right now uh, at the wide receiver position uh, because I, we've seen it time in and time out with the running backs going from top of the charts, RB1, 101 startup, to Todd Gurley being drafted in the fifth round. Uh, so whether it happens in 12 months, 24 months, there's just – much volatility in Christian McCaffrey's value over the next 24 months. And granted, some of well, he's going to score points, so who cares? But I'm not willing to invest that top overall pick. And if I have a top overall pick and I'm thinking I'm going to take McCaffrey, I'd much rather trade down. Yeah, I think trading out is, is definitely the move. And honestly, if if your team happens to be McCaffrey and then a bunch of kind of middling assets, I think if there's any good time to sell uh, just an absolute point monster, it's probably now when it's probably not going to get any higher as far as value goes. You can turn a rebuild around really, really quickly if you happen to have Christian McCaffrey, whether it was from a, a dispersal draft or if you had him from rookie season or or whatever it was. Obviously, if you had him from rookie season and you're still rebuilding, you probably want to try pickleball or something. I don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, for for McCaffrey, I think he, I think he definitely is worth the argument for that top spot, whether it's your top value in auction or 101 in the draft or whatever it happens to be. Um, but I'm with you. I think if anything, the the stats and the numbers over well, stats and numbers <laughs> almost like the same thing. Um, if the information tells us anything, it's it's that wide receivers have the longevity. Now, McCaffrey, I kind of get the Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson feel rather than the Todd Gurley, you know, type feel. I feel like this is going to be a little bit more sustainable. Uh, you know, we, we haven't seen him with any of the major, you know, crazy injuries that put him out for an extended period of time. Obviously, running backs are going to get dinged up, especially guys that are, you know, 2,000-plus all-purpose yards um, year in and year out. So... I think if if you are going to move him, you've got to get another first-round type asset or, or an elite-type asset along with some decent rookie value. How many firsts is it going to take for you to move Christian McCaffrey, assuming one of them is 101 or 102 in this draft? It'd be three. If, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm guaranteed the 101 or 102, I'd take three firsts. I mean, the, the exception would be like, okay, if you're offering me the 101, the 111, and 112, might not do it, but even then I would possibly consider it uh, Taylor and then, you know, two of those nice wide receivers like a, like a Higgins and a Jefferson at the end of the first. Not the worst package to get, but I, I do think that, you know, I, I don't think that this the contract really impacts his dynasty value too much other than, like, it's cements he's in Carolina. We're still not really sure if that's a good situation with Teddy and or the future quarterback. What I do think is the dynasty impact of this signing is the impact on the other running backs of Alvin Kamara with New Orleans, 
Joe Mixon in Cincinnati, and I'm sure there's a couple of others that are coming up on projects that don't have them yet. But those are the two main ones, Mixon and Kamara. And they haven't really quite said they're holding out yet, like the player we're talking about next. But I could easily see them when they, they when when Joe Mixon comes to the table with the Bengals and says, "Hey, I want uh, four years, fourteen million, because McCaffrey, fifteen million." They're going to be like, "You're not Christian <laughs> McCaffrey." Uh, so that could lead to a holdout, and that might, and you know, at this point, the entire world is holding out. It doesn't really matter, but. I could see uh, the McCaffrey contract leading to issues with Mixon and Kamara. Yeah, and Delvin Cook's going to be in that oh, that, in that boat. Yes. Yep. Um, I, I think I think that contract all but you know <laughs> bids farewell to Cook in Minnesota. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case with Alvin Kamara, but I, I think Mixon and Cook are most likely to be the, the two that either sign for significantly less or are finding new teams. Uh, which I think will be 2021. So, yeah, it's it's a weird spot for sure, and, and you did a little bit of foreshadowing there into the holding out. So our next topic is Dak Prescott. F- uh, full holdout, having parties at his house in, uh, during lockdown and quarantine. Sounds like it's going really well. <laughs> what, what, are the, you know, what are the major concerns here? Do we really think something isn't going to get done? I don't think anything's going to get done, but I also don't think that he's going to sit out. I think that he's going to sit there and take his $30 million on the franchise tax or whatever the number is and play out the year. And then if it turns into a Kirk Cousins double franchise situation, that's when you might have a real, like, yeah, screw you guys. I'm going to sit and not do anything for you. But I think he's going to at least play one year on this tag without – he might – he's going to do all the – Everything up until, quote-unquote, training camp, whatever that is in 2020, he's going to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But once you get to training camp, once they start finding you like $5,000 per day, whatever it is, that's when he's going to be like, yeah, I'd rather just not lose his money because I know I'm not going to sit out the entire season. Yeah, and I think if there was anybody in this kind of setting that could potentially lose a lot of value, whether it's NFL or Dynasty, whatever we're talking about, it's someone like Dak Prescott, who, as I think we all know, I, I've been a huge fan of, and he's I'm probably higher on him quite a few people, but he's been propped up a little bit by that line. Uh, he hasn't had the best of targets, you know, obviously bringing in Cooper and now having Gallup, uh, that helps a ton. Even with having, you know, the veteran Randall Cobb last year, we saw that, that work pretty darn well. And then having Zeke when, you know, obviously Zeke missed a little bit of time too, but when everything has been when everyone's been healthy and everything's been flowing, Dak has looked absolutely phenomenal. Even when some things weren't going great, Dak still looked very good. So I think I think it would be a mistake for him to hold out looking for you know that QB like overall QB one money trying to get trying to get every last dime. Uh, I think he needs to just <laughs> and it's sad to say that he'd be settling, but the Russell Wilson type contract where you're looking at a percentage and, and I'm guessing it'll be slightly less than what Russell got. Um, but that's probably where it'll end up being. And I think he'd be silly to, you know, to try to push and get more and try to get that top dollar. So I, I don't see this affecting 2020 in the slightest like you. I think if Dallas decides to go for that tag too, then we're, then we're having real issues and we're probably seeing him somewhere else. And, I, I don't see how that's anything but a downgrade for him, unfortunately. Uh, so hopefully we, we see them come to terms and, and we get out of this 
potential, or you know, I, I guess we can consider it a full-on holdout. Is is it worrisome enough for you right now that you're moving him for, you know, a lateral move, something like maybe Kyler Murray, or maybe you get older with a Russell Wilson, you take the shot at the seemingly declining asset in Deshaun Watson because Bill O'Brien. Uh, are those the kind of moves that you maybe would look to make, or are you just kind of holding with Dak? Well, I've pretty much always had those guys over Dak. So, I, I mean, I, I'd trade Dak for all those guys. Maybe not Ru- Russell. Russell I'm not sure what to do with right now. But, I mean, he's a top-five quarterback. So, you're, you're, you're fine either way, whether you have Russell or Dak. And if you want to mitigate the risk, like, Russell Wilson's not holding out anytime soon. Right. So, that if you want to do that, that's fine. Uh, I For me, especially in uh, a one QB league, but, you know, in one QB or Superflex, if you could – and that's something that I kind of learned uh, through you and Ryan. We were talking – we did, and I, I, did a, I did a rookie of the vet with Dak or Burrow, and you guys were like, this is a stupid question. Uh, <laughs> and so if it's still a stupid question, if I can get Burrow plus for Dak, like that's a move I would make. Yeah, I, I, see, I'm not quite there yet, and I would have all of those guys pretty much in the same bundle, not Burrow, but, you know, talk about the Kylers and, and Watson, um, whoever. I think that, that second grouping of, of quarterbacks is all pretty much interchangeable. So I probably wouldn't – Well, I mean, if you were really concerned about the contract situation, you could probably add a little bit and make a move to get one of the other guys, and I'd be totally fine with that. If you want to kind of limit the amount of risk you have on a roster – uh, even though the upside is a, a top three QB season, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I I can't fault you for, for minimizing risk. That's, that's a little bit part of the game. It's a lot of people play for a higher floor. A lot of people play for a higher ceiling. A lot of times the floor beats the ceiling, but then you get to things like Lamar Jackson, where if you have an all ceiling roster and Lamar Jackson hits like last year, you destroy the field. So, um, you can you can make those decisions as you please. I think I'm probably in the whole Dak camp. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm I don't have any Dak shares, but if I'm that's not I'm not even like waving the flag up. Oh, someone come oh, get Dak. Sure. No, I no, need no. to. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't gathering that, but I think I think more in in Nathan's view is if you could get one of the other guys for adding something small. Uh, I think that's a move that's definitely fine to make, and and you're not downgrading by any means. If anything, you're potentially upgrading, especially if he changes scenery. So, um, okay, so that is our news and notes for the week. We are going to slide right into the tight end talk, and I think it's only fair to start tight end talk with the few that matter, right? All three of them. So uh, the debate kind of over the last however many years has been, what, Kelsey, Ertz, Gronk was in the conversation for a little while. Um, it's It's been pretty consistent. Now, Kittle's made his name and, and really slid in there and solidified himself. We saw Mark Andrews this year break out uh, after we kind of saw flashes of it the year prior. And now we find ourselves in, in another one of these situations where you have the young gun, you have the guy in his prime, and the guy that's potentially, you know, middle or backside of prime, but he could also be Tony Gonzalez. I don't know what to do there. I think we can try to clear uh, clear it up a little bit for the listeners and and try to solidify who we believe our tight end one is. So, Nathan, if you if you could, you know, bless us all with a little tight end talk here, 
let's go down the line of your one, two, three. And if it's something other than Kelsey Kittle or, uh, or Andrews in those spots, feel free to correct me. But let's hear your top three and why. Yeah, for me, it's Kittle as the tight end one. I don't think the other two are remotely close. But also, I don't think that two and three, Kelsey and Andrews, are as far separated from the rest of the pack as some other, even you from the sounds of your opening arguments here. Uh, but yeah, Kittle, I'm not the one to invest a second round startup pick in, in a tight end. But if you are convinced that you have to get a tight end early, Kittle is the way to do it rather than I, I think that drafting Kelsey in the third or Andrews in the early fourth would be a reach. So I think he's the best value of the early round tight ends. But other than that, I'm waiting until the sixth, seventh round before even looking at tight end. But talking about Kelsey and Andrews, Kelsey, he is what he is. He's not going to, like, disappoint you at this point. He's going to be a top three tight end for the next three, four years, and especially with Mahomes, you know, at the hip here. But we have seen tight ends like Kelsey who have had injuries earlier in their career. Those things pop back up. And as they get older, those things get more of an become more of an issue. Not saying that I mean Kelsey's been a very healthy player for the last you know five six years, but as tight ends get older, those injuries tend to crop up more often. Oh no doubt, it's such a it's such a crazy position because of the way they're forced to play. You have to be a wide receiver and you have to basically play left tackle. So I mean it's it's yeah it's a lot and and you mentioned Kelsey's health which I think is probably the biggest factor in this conversation uh he's missed what one game since 2013 when he only played one game uh yeah it's it's pretty impressive to look at this and he can't he did come into the NFL as a 24 year old rookie so even though he is 30 it's you know, it's not an old 30. He hasn't been playing for 10 years, and now he's 30 and has all that extra wear and tear. Yeah, he's, you know, he's got six solid years of usage and everything under his belt, but still, it's he's he's what I would consider a, a young 30 because of of kind of the, you know, the late start into the NFL. Um, for me, I, I think you have to go Kittle as your tight end one because he's kind of at that prime peak age of 26 you got four years on Kelsey um I, I think Andrews for me is closer to uh, to Kittle than Kelsey is just because of what we get, did get to see last year and they made I what seems like the full commitment to Mark Andrews by moving Hayden Hurst obviously Baltimore probably recognized that that first round pick wasn't the greatest of moves and essentially felt that Mark Andrews took that placeholder and they're just selling Hayden Hurst for what they can. So I think for me, it's Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey, and I will never, ever take a tight end in those first couple of rounds. Um, I would definitely consider Andrews, if he's somehow there in the fourth, I don't think he's getting there. Um, but if if I was actually genuinely considering taking a, a tight end early, I would much rather have Andrews in the potentially fourth over Kittle in the late first or early second. I know sometimes he does slide if you have a full group of owners that decides that they all don't like tight ends, and you might be able to get them in the late second or early third, uh, but that doesn't seem really like it's happening all that often. So I think from that standpoint, um, 
Andrews could potentially be my target if you're looking at at the premium tight end position. So it's it's a weird one. Are you so you're what would you need to move from Kittle to Andrews? A mid first. Wow. Okay. So you do have a big gap between between that that group. And would you rather have Andrews or Kelsey? At, at team structure. I, I, okay. And and even then, like I would probably just take Andrews because he's the more tradable asset at this point. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I think I think if your team's ready to win, I think you know if you can't get Kittle, Kelsey's a great uh, a great buy right now. Be, you know, even though we are looking at him as tight end two right here. I think that stigma of the, the numbers three and zero being in the in you know conjunction with one another um, that puts some scare into people's minds. Even though it shouldn't, uh, it, it's still uh, it is still a number. So potentially you could get yourself um, one of those top guys by holding off at least for a couple of rounds. So before we slide into the next batch of tight ends. We're going to talk a little bit about our friends over at betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, like always, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas directly to you. Missing the NFL? Well, that's no problem because BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor and Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Not Nathan Powell's hot dog eating contest or beard growing contest, but the actual Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All of these things are open 24 hours a day, and they are all online, so you can self-quarantine and socially distance and be completely safe while being a degenerate. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Is Nathan's hot dog eating contest still happening this year? I or can't it- imagine it is unless they're going to do it. <laughs> They're do it remotely and do it over Zoom or something. I feel like that would be really enjoyable. <laughs> just Kobayashi uh, on the Zoom. Just going down. <laughs> I've, 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 uh, for, for those that are not watching, which is everybody, I've done a lot of hand movements in today's episode. Not sure why, but oh, I, I, I do know why actually, because I've been doing telehealth and like I've, I'm so used to like using my whole body to talk so that the kids can see me that <laughs> yeah, the, that, that last that last motion looked like you were multi-phallist so that was <laughs> that was an interesting one <laughs> all right speaking of multi-phallist let's talk about tier two or i guess the we don't know what the hell to do with all of these guys because i feel like it's just a big jumbled mess uh so according to some adp our uh let's call it the four through eight situation we can we can stretch it out a little bit if we think we need to include those guys um but we are definitely going to start with evan engroom who comes in at the four spot old man zach Ertz, who a lot of people think is going to be eclipsed very shortly by dallas goddard then you have hunter henry tj hawkinson and noah fant rounding that out so you got the the young cats rounding out what i believe is a tier here uh, I think you probably even put Zachary to the back of it. ADP still has him at five. So 
do we still have a ton of ton of faith in Evan Ingram here, or do we think the injuries are really going to kind of hold him back and he's only going to be that 8-10 to 10 game kind of guy and really more of a best ball asset? No, I'm in on Ingram here. He's my, my favorite of the top eight tight ends that we're talking about. He is my, my favorite value of this bunch. I think that he has the you know most likely outcome to out, outperform his ADP. As long as he stays healthy, like, What's what is there in New York? They they got Sterling Shepard who's always hurt. Whoa whoa whoa! Hey whoa whoa whoa! They got Come on. Golden Golden Tate who just checked his ARP ARP account, and they <laughs> Corey have, Coleman. They have Corey Coleman. Don't do forget they? Corey. Yeah, but they also have Darius Slayton. Who matters? Oh I, yeah, I forgot about Slayton. But still, like it's not like they have a alpha wide receiver one that's taking all the targets. Yes, they do have Barkley who's getting the targets out of the backfield, but Ingram could easily score ten touchdowns put up 800 yards and, like, 40 to 45 catches. So I think that would probably put him around tight end three, tight end four in the season. And so I'm all about Ingram right now. Uh, I do wish he was a little bit cheaper than the the 62nd ADP startup pick because he feel like he should be after, you know, not really doing much last year. But maybe they are wiser than we think and aren't going to throw him to the graveyard quite yet. Well, it can always happen, especially with the tight ends. Um, Ingram is one of those one of those guys who has absolutely all of the talent in the universe, but just kind of continues to fall into the can't stay healthy camp. I mean, he's played 19 games over the last two seasons combined. Uh, not ideal. Obviously, injuries do occur, especially at this very taxing position. Uh, a lot of the off season. Last offseason, I was basically crowning him either tight end one or he's not going to play a half or half of a season. And unfortunately, we, we got the not playing half of a season, but he was still pretty darn productive on only eight games and 68 targets. So I, I you know, I think I'm right there with you. I think he he could realistically have upwards of 60 catches. Uh, I don't think that's even, you know, <laughs> I don't think that's really a concern aside from not being able to play enough games to get there. Definitely can have 800 plus yards. Uh, the touchdowns in that offense, I think, is where I might be a little bit lost on that hope. I, I think, you know, based on the way it's built and it, it could potentially change with this draft, maybe they bring in another wide receiver weapon or, you know, they. Whatever they plan on doing, who who knows what Dave Gettleman's going to do? Um, Click the wrong button on Zoom. <laughs> most likely, most likely, I feel like that six to eight range is where we're most likely going to see Ingram finish with his touchdown production, and that's not bad. I mean, we're not you know we're not talking about a complete dud season. I just don't think we're going to see the double digit numbers. Uh, I, I don't think Daniel Jones is really that kind of passer he hasn't really leaned on Ingram aside from when everybody else has been completely dead um so hopefully they keep him involved and he's able to play more than half a season it's just the Daniel Jones thing along with Saquon Barkley and their willingness to you know pound the ball and get him the rock as much as humanly possible uh has me a little bit more concerned especially in the red zone when when he can really be of use obviously he's a big explosive playmaker and he can take it to the house from from wherever too but um, I, I, you know, he can definitely do it. I, I like, like you, I'm in his camp. It's just the health is concerning to me. 
Yeah, and honestly, this tier is sort of filled with uh, guys who have health concerns that that could be tight end one overall if not for the health concerns. And the main two guys there would be Hawkinson and Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's been battling injuries his entire career, mostly of the lower body variety. So, honestly, in today's NFL, the lower body injury is a lot safer than the upper body injury in form of the head, which is Ingram has had that. So is Hawkinson. So uh, I, I like where Hunter Henry's at right now. I, I think that he's going to be uh, funneled some targets. I know there's a lot of weapons by a lot, I mean they have Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. But I do think that the vacated targets from Melvin Gordon help out uh, help out Hunter Henry a little bit, even if they do invest in a running back to you know pair with Austin Eckler. So yeah, I, for once, I'm usually a fader of Hunter Henry, but I do think his price is okay right now, and I think that he's set up to have a high, high target, high high yardage season if he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, there's potential, but it, like, you know, just like with Engram, how many games is he going to play? He he played 15 as a rookie, then 14 as a sophomore, missed all of 2018, and then played 12 last year. So, I mean, is tight end six really a value? Yeah, the, he's going to get the, the targets potentially. Who knows what kind of, you know, dispersion Tyrod's going to have if he's the starter. Who knows what Justin Herbert's going to do if he's the starter. Who knows what Tua's going to do if he's the starter. I would imagine those are the three options. Uh, I guess Cam could still technically be an option. And if that's the case, great for tight end. We know we know that connection with Greg Olson. Maybe it's Jameis. Who, I mean, there there's options here for what the quarterback's going to be. If it's Tyrod, as much as I love Tyrod, I'm throwing Hunter Henry completely off my board if he's tight end six because of the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if we're talking about somebody else here, as one of the high-end guys that could make the leap, I'm looking directly to Noah Fant. Uh, we saw what he was able to do with Drew Locke. Uh, very impressive. I didn't think a whole lot of Drew Locke, but, I mean, after after what he showed last year, I think he proved himself enough to at least garner, you know, a couple more seasons of it. I, I can't imagine they're going to go elsewhere right away. Um, and, you know, Noah Fant played all 16 games. He, I mean, he didn't have a huge workload, but man, was he good when they got him the ball. He only had 66 targets. He had 40 catches for 562 yards. That's 14 yards per catch. Only three touchdowns, though. So Cortland Sutton is the alpha there. Uh, Now they add Melvin Gordon, who could potentially take away some of those red zone looks. They still have Phillip Lindsay, who, you know, is going to do his thing. So... We we could be looking at a lot of second, third, and fourth fiddles in this in this grouping. Aside from Evan Ingram, even when you look at Detroit with T.J. Hawkinson, you still have Kenny Galladay, who knows what they're going to do with Carryon Johnson. Marvin Jones is still a, is still a Matthew Stafford favorite. I'm guessing they're probably going to be adding some form of pass catcher, whether it's in the backfield or at wide receiver. Um, so this is kind of a weird tier. I, I think it's got to be Engram and Fant for me at the top, followed probably closely by TJ Hawkinson, as long as he promises to stop hurtling people. For the love of God, stop hurtling people. Every time you hurdle somebody, you get hurt. Yes, I, I remember a show during the season where it was probably like his second hurdle, and I was like, he needs to stop hurtling. And he did it like the next week, and it was like hurdle number three. All right. So, I, I will say, before we jump to the next group, 
I would trade Zach Ertz for absolutely all of these guys. The shark trader in me would try and get a little bit more if I was trading Ertz for Henry. I I just don't think there's a need. I feel if Hunter Henry's healthy, which that's a pretty sizable if, you're probably looking at very similar numbers, especially if we're expecting the emergence of Dallas Goddard. Now, if if he continues to eat into that workload, if Alshon Jeffrey plays more than a game and a half, if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside becomes something, when they inevitably draft another guy, I mean, there's not going to be a- enough work to go for all of these guys to have 100 targets. You know, obviously Miles Sanders is going to get his. You still, you know, Ertz is going gonna, is gonna to get work. Goddard's going to get work, but they've got to add wide receivers. If everybody just they just play, run two tight end sets all game, they're just going to start moving their safeties and their corners in, and they're going to get smothered. They're not going to be worth a damn. So for me, you know, Ertz continues to be a great asset. I think he'll continue to get cheaper. Um, so as a contender, if I can get him for anyone from the next tier, that's a fantastic move I'd love to make. I think if I'm moving within the tier, I would, I would probably, I would probably easily take Engram and Fant over him without any sort of adding. I would do those one for one, no problem. But yeah, the Hunter Henry and T.J. Hawkinson because of the injuries, I, I, that's a weird one. Maybe that's one I don't move back on. Maybe that's I would need something else in order to move. And we'll go to the next tier, and we'll start off with the most overvalued tight end in fantasy football right now. And it is one Darren Waller. I am always very cautionary of any player that was basically getting all of the targets in a poor offense, and that is the story of Darren Waller in 2019. I don't think he's a bad player. I I think that he is a good tight end, a good NFL tight end, but but I don't think that he is a top-10 NFL tight end. And I don't think that once you add a receiver or two in the draft, and once you – that's pretty much that, that's <laughs> and once you add Jason Witten and you know there's just and once Foster Moreau begins uh, to develop more, that's going to start taking away targets from Darren Waller and drafting him at tight end nine is saying that 2019 is going to repeat itself and I don't think it's going to. Uh, my my favorite value from this tier right now and I think I'm talking value as from a trade perspective less so than a ADP perspective because. I don't – right now, George, uh, O.J. Howard is being drafted at tight end 11 – I mean, tight end 12. I don't think that you could trade Howard for Gusecki or Irv Smith right now. I I think that, that you'd have a difficult time unless you had me in a league where I had Irv Smith or, or Mike Gusecki. <laughs> I, I think Howard is the best value here uh, from a trade perspective. I, I think people are still worried about him. And to a certain extent, I am as well. But I do think that his upside – is huge in that Bucks offense. I mean, he's just so good with the ball in his hands. When O.J. Howard catches the ball, you're like, that guy's not going to get tackled anytime soon. <laughs> it's just a matter of, are we going to get the ball in his hands? And I think Tom Brady will. Yeah, this is definitely a weird group. I think, I think I'm on board with you with the Waller deal. I will say that in the ADP drafts, he had one where he was taking, taken at 52 overall. Uh, all of the other ones were seventy between seventy four and one hundred and one, so that doesn't make a huge move in in where he's being taken as far as tight ends go. But I mean, you're adding probably a round there. I don't know if that's the math, maybe three quarters of a round. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like he he should be kind of in that. 
11, 12, 13 talk rather than just kind of solidified by himself at nine. Hooper to me is is a pretty big concern. It's a he's a guy that's really never been correctly valued, but now changes scenery and goes somewhere that already has a whole ton of guys in place that require targets. Um, it's it's going to be a weird one. Maybe Baker leans on him a little bit, but I mean Jarvis. I mean that's his binky. Uh, Jarvis isn't. They're not changing that plan anytime soon. Uh, OBJ is going to probably just be their way overpriced big play guy and misused big play guy. And maybe they do a little more dink and dunk with Hooper and Landry than, than taking the big shots, try to get Baker's confidence up. I, I don't know. That's, that's a weird one. Goddard, obviously we talked about a little bit with the Ertz situation. Um, I think he gets closer to Ertz. I, I don't, I still don't think he overtakes him this year. I think it's going to take uh, a big injury for Ertz for Goddard to take that from him. And then Howard, man, the the Arians connection is legitimately scary. We all said, ah, can't, Arians can't do that to O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard's too good. He's too good of a football player. He's too good at this. He's too good at that. And then what did Bruce Arians do? He took a dump on him. <laughs> and then and it just, you know, obviously when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you're not going to get a ton of work. But, like, no work? Were we anticipating no work? I, I that I don't understand. It, it it can't get worse. But also, how is he still valued at tight end twelve? I'm I'm taking Gasecki. I'm taking Herb Smith. I might consider Janu at that point. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> That's all bad. the all the Janu. Oh boy. But yeah, I will say that we talked about it when Hooper signed with Cleveland that. I hate Hooper right now for the same reason that I hated Njoku when the Beckham trade happened. I don't see where the targets are going to come from. You know, I, I think that year two for Odell is going to be more fruitful than year one for Hooper or year one was for Odell. So I think he's a sell at that price at tight end uh, 10. But, yeah, Irv Smith and Gusecki, I feel like, are being valued higher on the trade market because they're pretty much being valued as – they're going to break out. We're just waiting for it to happen. It's kind of later on where, where things start to get a little bit more interesting. Uh, we, we we looked before the show because we were planning on doing a rookie or the vet, but we can't really do rookie or the vet because the first rookie is tight end 28. And uh, we hate tight ends, so we don't think any tight end past like tight end 23 has fantasy value. So uh, we do think that Alberto – and I, I'm speaking for both of us, but we do not. Right now, basically, this is my way of saying let's talk about the rookie tight ends and where they really should be being drafted. Uh, we'll start with Alberto. Alberto, I would say right now, I, I, I think he's going day two. I think he's going to be a second or third round NFL draft pick. And if that's the case, I would put him as early as tight end 15 or 16 with the Higby, Ian Thomas, uh, you know, grouping. Where would you have Alberto? And I guess with this, we'll kind of put our own assumptions, assuming he goes day, day two, round two or three. Yeah, and I think that's where he fits in um, as far as the NFL draft goes. I, I feel like he's got to be in that in that probably mid-tight end two talk. So probably I'm probably just a little bit lower than where you've got him, but I would probably rather have him over Njoku at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm taking him over Hayden Hurst. What What if Njoku gets traded draft day? See, that that's a real possibility. Because of the lack of talent at tight end in this class, it's not horrible, but we don't have any of the high-end guys. Now, if someone with the athletic profile and the receiver pedigree in David Njoku goes to someone that, you know, is looking for the big-time pass catcher, maybe Indianapolis. Dallas. Well, no. They don't don't have have the cap space. They have Blake Darwin. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) But if he goes to Indianapolis, who loves tight ends and has 96-year-old guy named Jack, uh, you put Njoku in there in that Ebron role, and all of a sudden that offense is ready to rock and roll again. You know, that's, that's something that legitimately could happen. You can you could look at someone like the Jets, even though they probably still like Chris Herndon. Uh, you could look at Buffalo, even though they just forked up an arm and a leg to get Stephon Diggs. All they have really is Dawson Knox. And, I mean, is that really going to tide you over for a season? Uh, most likely not. And Green Bay, could they look at replacing Jermichael Finley? <laughs> Because that's probably the last time they had a tight end that mattered. Uh, it's it's a it's a really weird landscape because I feel like this is probably the first time we've had like almost twenty, you know, considerable tight ends that we can actually talk about that have value. I don't think we've had twenty tight ends that that have real value in ever. Um, now we have a bunch of names that people actually know and are willing to trade for, and they're all relatively young. Aside from like Greg Olson, and that's about it. Jared Cook, I guess. You've got a slew of tight ends in their twenties. I think Kelsey's probably the oldest tight end that has value at this point. You know, you look up and down the board, it, it's crazy. So, I, I think I think Njoku can find a new home. I can't imagine Cleveland is going to turn down a whole lot of anything if people come knocking. But, yeah, you put Albert O in that mid-tight end two talk. I, I don't know who I, – I think I think how we place these tight ends is really going to determine draft capital and draft capital only because I don't think any of them are are a, a head and shoulders above another. Um, if Claypool gets that designation, I think he becomes the clear tight end one. But from all the sounds of it, he's going to be – he's going to stick at wide receiver. So – until we see what the NFL tells us, where they think these guys are valued, um, it's hard to to put a pin in any one of them and put real value on any of their names because what happens when all of them are day three picks? This doesn't really have anything to do with dynasty value other than it kind of predicts where he's getting drafted. Uh, Thad Moss is one of, like I think there's like 70 players that are zooming into the draft. Why on earth? It's Bad Moss, one of the 70 players, and the only possible reason could be because Randy Moss is in his living room. That's the only yep. possible reason that Bad Moss is zooming into the draft. They want they want a camera on Randy. They want him to say straight cash, homie. And everyone's just going to look for LSU ties in the NFL and hope that Randy makes a phone call like, <laughs> "Hey, get my kid," and I'll you know I'll do a commercial for your city or something. And that's his his value seems like it's strictly tied to his dad, which sucks because you know it is what it is. But also, his dad's probably going to make him a whole hell of a lot of money. But also, he's not good. So <laughs> yeah, no, he's I, I can't think of the word. It's whatever the opposite of good is. 
and he's one of the seventy players zooming in. Makes sense. Uh, it makes it makes sense if you don't think about it. All right, that's to wrap us up for today's episode. Uh, that was enough tight end talk to tide me over. I did look as we were talking. Uh, we lasted until mid-May last year for the tight end episode, so we couldn't even wait until mid-May. We we had to do it in the middle of April, and now who knows what we're going to talk about in mid-May? Just we're going to be talking about rookie drafts from May first until August. Or, who knows? Because the NFL is never going to start again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do an entire new tight end show because all of the tight ends end up going day two and they all find good homes. And then we have to delete this show. Uh, I don't think we should even air this one at this point. Tight ends. I almost, I almost took advantage of our parental advisory sticker or explicit sticker and, and drop an F bomb, but we're keeping it clean for the kids. We're keeping it safe. We're washing our hands and our mouths before we say anything. That is the truth. Make sure to rate and review the podcast, rotaviz.com slash radio for 10% discount on your Rotoviz NFL Pass. Make sure to check out all the awesome content. Uh, I believe that Rotoviz just posted a composite dynasty uh, rookie rankings from uh, a lot of the crew. And so make sure to check those out and uh, rate, review, subscribe, all those great things. Any last words, Dan? Be sure to go full DGen with our friends over at betonline.ag. Take advantage of their little bonuses and make sure you gamble your little hearts away. Stay inside, Kadoosh.